one analogy per thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see if you can do that. Wow. Hello, welcome back to the Study Podcast in Ringer SC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm really good. All the better for seeing you, Ryan. Oh, stop it. <laughs> what have you done? Just full of joy. What have you all. done? I'm just happy. The hills are alive with the sound of impeachment. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I dressed appropriately for this podcast. I've got my writer's fleece on the go-to accessory for the liberal metropolitan elite yeah like everyone's got an item of clothing they don't wear outside the house this is my writer's fleece that never leaves the front door so i maybe like i might answer it all for a takeout with it but generally it does not see the light of day at the moment that's my entire wardrobe <laughs> yeah, yeah. But i got ill again you're ill again a little cheeky tonsillitis went away and then came back mm. and it came back much like that pep guardiola gif Twice. Twice as bad. Twice. We are doing a mailbag today. We're going to jump into a little bit of football at the beginning. The games were really staggered and weird this week. They were. We thought we'd do a nice proper mailbag episode. A couple of bits of admin. Well, first of all, we hope everyone's safe, well. Yep, yep. As as happy as you could expect or hope during. That's right. Yeah. The time. I I actually believe that 2021 starts in February this year, so that's good. So we've got another couple, we've got another few weeks left before uh, it actually begins. Okay, that's interesting. I'm quite enjoying. I'm quite enjoying this year, actually. Well, you would because you're low key the meanest person I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting all my vitamins. I tell you that. You know, some men just want to watch the world burn, Musa. That's right. That's right. Right, his house this week. I was on with Jeanette. That's gone up. Includes an unbelievable tactical breakdown of Shrek Ever After. I was crying right. into that. I was. Crying. I have no idea where that came from. I was all here for. I was all in. As, oh my goodness! This has given me permission to go as wild and weird as like. I was crying listening to that. It was so funny. The chaotic energy generated by you, Jeanette, and Ian on that podcast is something to behold, and no one holds anyone back. <laughs> hey man. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's up now on the Ringer FC feed. Don't forget that goes up every Wednesday at Wright's house. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to the Wright's house crew. Yeah, good vibes. Oh, shout out to, what a lovely message. Last night, uh, um, Marcus Rashford tweeted about stuff that Carl had been sending him in his like writing sessions. I thought it was lovely. Aw, I love that piece that came out this week that I won't name that basically said, should he be concentrating more on his football? And then at the end, it was just like, his stats actually say he's still pretty doing actually fine. So don't worry about it. But also on uh, Manchester United, um, they're not in the relegation zone, are they? So whoever wrote that article... Oh, think, no, they're back, everyone. They're back. No, no, it's just like the person who wrote the article. It's just like, you know, they're not they're in the relegation back. zone. So, you know, it's slow, slow his role. Here we right. go. This is the... If you thought 2020 was bad, everyone, Man United are going to win the league this year. It's going to be unbearable. Oh, no. No, I'm not going to get Stadio outros. For those of you who don't bother hanging around till the end of the podcast, <laughs> which is perfectly fine, to be honest. I mean, I wouldn't. I, 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 I definitely, I barely do, to be honest. I don't think I'd make it to the end of the admin, listen to this. <laughs> um, we play out on a different different tune each week, each episode, and then we put them all in a Spotify playlist. So if you search for Stadio Outros on yep. Spotify, they're all in there, newest ones at the top. And yeah, if you can rate and review us on the podcast app that you listen to, please do so, because that would be lovely. And I reckon that's it, Musa. So we're going to get on some football. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, 
tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So before we get on to some questions, because one of our questions is about one of the games we were going to talk about this week. But um, let's quickly touch on the Copa Libertadores semifinals this week, second legs. We were robbed of a Super Classico final again. I'm glad However, we were. I'm glad we were. I am very, very into Palmeiras. Santos as a final. Yeah, me too. I'm big into that. So Boca went out 3-0 to Santos in the second leg, 3-0 on aggregate. And Palmeiras beat River. Well, they, they went through 3-2 on aggregate, 3-0. They were 3-0 up from the first leg. River could only win 2-0 in the second leg. The Santos-Boca game, kickoff was delayed because of flares with parachutes. Nature's healing, Musa. So sophisticated. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I mean, I wish I'd seen more of this this week. I caught bits of the games, but I didn't see all of them. But um, I wanted to touch on that because we will be covering the final. Yeah. 100%. So it's going to be Santos Palmeiras in the Maracanã on January 30th in the first all-Brazilian final since 2006. I've been to the Maracanã, you know. I swear to God. <laughs> that has to stay in because it's in context. Whatever. <laughs> I'm really hyped about the final, man. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's great. Oh, I just wish there was fans there again, man. I know, I know it's, it's such a kind of like, well, yeah, obviously, but... A couple of Libertadores without fans. Just They're putting on a great show, like so many of these teams, man. They're putting on mm-hmm. a great show. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the game I watched on Wednesday was Holstein-Kiel against Bayern Munich in the Pokal, the German Cup. Lucky you. So I'd like to start with this question yep, yep. from Nicholas Mazur. I hope I pronounced that right, Nicholas. But hi, Moose and Ryan. Could you talk about the Bayern DFB result? and how those cold Wednesday nights actually never happen until they do or your Arsenal literally at Stoke. Finn Bartles' smirk on the halfway line before the penalties when he probably realised this is my favourite football pitcher in a while next to all the unhappy Bavarian faces, of course. Oh, I see. I see where this is going. Wow. Okay. Said, Kiel, my local team, just gave me the best moment of 2021. Best wishes and keep on doing what you're doing, Nicholas. Cheers, Nicholas. So yeah, we wanted to just touch on this game because Bayern... Went ahead twice against Kiel. Kiel came back twice, equalised and right at the end, went to extra time, went to penalties. A really good penalty shootout. They looked, the penalties looked incredible. Really good. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. It was only Mark Rocha who had his penalty saved. I was gutted for him because he's had a really tough time getting into that team. I don't know. I was chatting to Jonathan Harding about this a little bit and he was saying that you know, obviously people know Bayern haven't been great recently but the negativity around it is a little bit kind of boring. And I was saying to him, yeah, they've lost more games in 2021 than they did in 2020. But like I wrote for The Ring at that time, in September, things will get weird and wild this season. Also, and they have done already. Yeah, and Kiel also, like clowns. Kiel like clowns. Yeah, well, this is the thing. Like Kiel, this isn't like um, a third division side. This is a side that's third in Bundesliga's fight. And that's why the Bundesliga. Like Dresden, yeah. yeah. Like, Holstein Kiel could be in the in the Bundesliga next season. Yeah, the weather was a trouble. I mean, it looked it was it was there was a guy I can't remember whose penalty it was for Kiel, but the ball rolled off the spot Goodness. before his penalty, and it was snowing and it was windy and like and I think Thomas Muller even quoted it. It's like it's cold up here. I mean, this is the, this is on the very like Kiel. For those who don't know, Kiel is on the northern the northern yeah. coast of Germany. It gets cold up there, man. It gets very cold up there. One that really struck me though. And I thought, I really like this team. Was there a moment? That, so Buna Saar was on the right flank and hit this crossing. And one of the Kiel defenders chests it back from near the penalty area to the keeper. And mm. it happens like a couple of times. I was just like, you know, when you see that, when you see it, calm, I like, calm. I, you know, these lot aren't scared. And can I say this as well? Dubai, this is like a weird thing to say. This was a really honourable defeat. And I say that because they put out a brilliant team. They didn't just like, shove a load of kids in there, right? They could have. Bayern have got the resources to shove a ton of kids in there. 
they put out an absolutely brilliant team. This is the thing about it, actually. I think, you know, we can talk about giant killing, but it's about behaving like giants. It's actually about putting a team out that is so good that if you get beaten, it is embarrassing, right? And I love mm. that. Like, you know, Ian talked about this on Wrighty's House, like playing against Yeovil and scoring that hat trick. Casually dropped that in, didn't he? I scored yeah. a hat trick, but there. Yeah, that's the energy. I love how they, I love how Ian and Jeanette just drop in their life. Jeanette casually being like, oh, when I was in the Olympic final. Sorry, yeah, yeah, what? yeah. I was like, yeah, I was, <laughs> I, was in the, I, I was in the queue at the supermarket. Like, <laughs> so Amazon, you're an elite athlete. Elite athletes, yeah. What Ian was saying about this, I think it tracks quite well, you know, playing against Yeovil in the cup and there's, you know, he scored that hat trick and the second goal in the hat was an astonishing chip from like mm. five yards. So good. Yeah. And it's like, he brought his A game and Bayern put out, like they didn't play their best, but they put out an, an elite team, like a top, top team. And I don't know, I just feel that makes the victory all the sweeter, mm. but it makes me look at Bayern with a lot of respect as well. And, you know, I, I've talked a lot about Hansi Flick and my respect for him, but it kind of went up a bit last night, actually. Is it because he was wearing a Y3 hat? <laughs> Your ability to spot these details makes me absolutely cry. The other day, there was, was that um, Wenger was talking to like David Dean and you spotted there was a Quincy Jones track. The Quincy the Jones track in the background, and I was like, yeah. Only Ryan would spot. Only Ryan would spot that like immediately. I mean, it's the sample to passing me by by far side, right? Yeah, right, right. Absolutely, but, yeah. But I was just like, this is unbelievable. This <laughs> elevates the whole thing. You know when it's you talk tough. about like elevating a dish, right? Like yeah, yeah. a chef, and it's like there's there's like you know the jus, for example, will exactly. elevate the dish, right? That's just the jus of like this thing. Is if, if they had another, if they had another piece of music in there, the whole thing would have fallen apart. No matter how good this, I don't care how good the story is, but it's just like <laughs> it's so you good. Just, you just laced it with some Quincy. So good, unbelievable, incredible. Anyway, Vibes. sorry, Hansi Flick was wearing a Y3 hat. Just shout out to Keel. That's really exciting. And um, it means we'll have a, uh, a different winner of the Pokal this year. And hopefully it'll get them quite excited. Actually, and slightly intriguing move as well while we're on Germany. Timothy Fossi-Mensa, emotional video with Pogba and Bailly as he leaves for Bayer Leverkusen. Yeah, I, I think really, it's a smart I move. Really like that. I love that for everyone involved. I think that's a great move. I think Germany's a great place to kick on your career, rebuild your career, mm. restart your career, whatever you'd call it. He's 23. Leverkusen, an exciting side. I think we'll have a great time there. And he's yeah. a versatile player. He's, he's a Bosch player. Like he'll, he'll, he'll fit in really well. The draw for the Pokal is opened up really nicely now. Yeah. So Holstein Kiel played Darmstadt in the next round. Werder Bremen played Greutherford. Jan Regensburg against Cologne. And Rotweiss Essen against Bayer Leverkusen. Werder Bremen against Schalke. Stuttgart against Gladbach. Leipzig against Bochum. Dortmund against Paderborn. It's, it's, it's going to shape up to be a really interesting tournament, I think. Props to Holstein Kiel, man. They deserved you know, it as well. They played really well, actually. They, 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 they didn't, um, you know, bungle their way through it. They were, they were decent. And, and Flick knew. You could tell, like, Flick's face at full time and, and, and after extra time, he was just kind of like, you, you could just tell he knew what was up. There's a great piece, actually, that Jonathan Harding wrote for Deutsche Welle when he talks about the victory and he asks... Well, the coach of the coach of uh, Kiel was asked, Oli Werner, I mean, what he'd done in relation to the Gladbach victory over Bayern, whether he'd use that as a blueprint. And he was like, "Well, yeah, but it's Bayern, so it's it's always hard to pull a thing like that off." But yeah, it, it's funny. It was he's like thirty two, I think. Yeah, Super he's tipped up. to be really big. He's tipped to do good things, Oli Werner. Unbelievable. So what's really cool about that is, you know, we've talked for like copycats. We've talked about copycats, haven't we? Copycat results, and you can almost say like Leipzig. Gladbach learning from Leipzig and now Kiel learning from Gladbach. Mm. But again, that execution, you've still got to execute it. So shout out to Kiel. Uh, other trophy news. Poch has got a trophy. Yeah, a trophy for PSG. Beat Marseille 2-1. Icardi got the open in the first half. Then Neymar got a late sort of stutter stop penalty about five minutes to go. And then they pulled on back right at the end, Marseille. But PSG kind of, they didn't, they didn't run the show. It was a very attritional game. They always had you know, there's, there was, there's one team that makes really hard work of scoring and the other team just gets another score when it has to. It felt like mm. that. There was just a moment where you, you always felt that Marseille, if they were going to win, it would be a 1-0 for them. So PSG just had the firepower and already just in a few games, a couple of games, you see that what Poch is doing is beginning to, to work this lot together. So that's interesting. Poch has got his first trophy, man. Yeah, yeah. Good for him, man. I mean, I know it's just... 
not the most glamorous of trophies, but they all count. They all count. Hey, trophies are trophies are trophy. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a break and then we'll do questions. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's start with this one from... Uh, Mirko Van Pampus. What happens when you guys go for a break? We listeners just hear a mysterious whoosh and then the episode continues. But what do you do? Actually take a break, watch some football, hydrate yourselves. Well, I'm sorry, but what happens on the podcast stays on the podcast. It absolutely does. <laughs> and, uh, there are a few people who were like trying to figure us out with these questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And uh, what actually happens when we go for a break? Usually Musa will just start talking about something and I don't actually end up getting a break. Wow. 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 But like when the whoosh happens, it kind of actually stops time and Musa starts talking about Rui Costa. <laughs> Red star. <laughs> uh, no, we literally just kind of, uh, we, we, we know roughly what time we need to stick those little whooshes in. Yeah. And then um, sometimes I'll go and get a coffee top up, actually. That's right. That's right. Um. I'll vanish into the quantum, the quantum realm for uh, a few seconds. Maybe I'll do a crossword. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I was that smart. Oh, stop it. Um, but yeah, it's all very boring, the, the breaks, actually. Let's move on to another question that was related to process. Jack Hallinan, how do you guys watch football, both in terms of schedule? How do you plan out the matches you really want to watch? Do you watch everything live or play full matches back? And what do you look for on the pitch? So, Musok Kwonga, what is your process? Because we've got tweeted something about this recently, didn't we? Someone tweeted at us saying, how do you watch so much football? And I was just like, well, when you're single and live alone, quite easy. Yeah, and don't sleep. I mean, I probably sleep about four hours a night, average. So I Yeah, you're, you're weird. Yeah. Bit of a vampire. I need I, way more sleep than that. Yeah, and so in terms of football, you know, you watch some games back, other ones. And in terms of how I pick them, I try to pick games where teams are being tested in unusual ways. Mm. So Milan being front runners, I might watch Milan Torino just to see how they handle being the leader. Mm. Uh, PSG Marseille because you know obviously one Poch needs to get a trophy under his belt to kick on from there. Um, and sometimes just a random cup game, you know, you just tune into a game and that looks quite interesting. Or you might look at how Everton women are doing now that they've been not figured out, but people have seen them coming. I think figured out is a bit of a strong phrase, but so that's the thing. I always try to pick fixtures that look intriguing. Of course, Leeds on a weekend night. Got to watch Leeds because Leeds are always fun and always, always watch Atalanta. But yeah, those are my rules really. How about you? I try to, I mean, obviously it's impossible to watch every single game fully mm. all the way through. So what I tend to do is I try to watch for the major players around Spain, Italy, France maybe as well. I'll try mm. and watch, so basically I'll try and watch like one in every three Barcelona games, like live, for example. Yeah. Extended highlights of as much stuff as you can. And as many live games as you can fit in, I think. Yeah, yeah. Because I think the thing for me is like, it's more about you want to analyze the game specifically, but the, the bit that Jack was saying about what do you look for on the pitch? Like, I, I really like to try and form a bit more of an understanding about the process of that side. Mm. So I don't really like judging it game for game. Yeah. I mean, I do obviously because there would be sometimes these like tactical shifts that happen mm. that you think, ah, that was really in that was really integral to either winning or losing the game, whatever the result was. But for me, I like to feel at least a little bit like I'm on top of the overall kind of like theme of what that club's going through. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a checklist or anything being like, okay, I need to watch Atleti fully this week or mm. this week or this week, you know, like a timetable. But I'll I know roughly where I'm like, hmm. Maybe I only caught the last two Atleti games on highlights. Mm. I need to watch the next couple live. Or yeah, if they're specific games, I'll absolutely watch them live. Like, for example, if it's like Atleti Barca, things like that, certain games like that. The Bundesliga, I watch a lot of. I will sometimes go back and watch full games of those if I, if I want yeah, to. Yeah. But that's just, I mean, that's just because I like the league. And obviously the Premier League, you know, watch a huge amount of and stuff like that. So, and, and the women's, and women's football watch as much of it live as possible 
but the women's football show on BBC is really good. It's really strange because this used to be a hobby and it's now become a job, right? Which sounds unbelievable, but there's actually quite a lot of pressure that comes with that. You want to make sure that, because we really like talking about a lot of football, right? Yeah, yeah. I used to always watch, before I ever worked in football, I was kind of on top of, or felt like I was relatively on top. It goes to another level when you actually start covering it because you actually have to talk about it in detail. And also you just want to do the fans of those clubs justice by like paying attention if you are going to talk about them. And I would never proclaim to being an expert on any of these sides or leagues because the experts are the people that solely cover these clubs. Yes. Or solely cover the leagues. Yeah. They are the absolute experts of those leagues. Mm. So I would never proclaim to be an ex- a, like a football expert or, or like an right, expert right. in any of these things. I think that there are, I have like my kind of little pockets of specialities, but um, watching so much football, but also being prepared to be wrong on a couple of things because there will be people always watching certain clubs and leagues closer than we, could, we ever could because we have to cover so much stuff. There's, yeah, there's things we won't see. I mean, I, it's funny. Um, I think the place where we overlap our approach uh, to what we watch is trying to look at not so much themes because there's so much football going on. You can't always spot themes, but just like what are the, the tactical trends? I'm always looking out for like copycat stuff. So obviously like, you know, Leipzig, Gladbach, what are they doing that works? If they do something that's really effective and interesting, then I'm looking for other teams that might take that lead Mm. and work off that. Obviously, look at the emergence of certain players. Sometimes when a team's had a, an indifferent summer in the transfer market, you might watch how they start. For example, I watched a lot of Real early this year. And Real were funny because Real were like generally the least interesting team in each of the games they played and <laughs> tended to win, mm. which was really fascinating. And you watch how maybe Real adapt or a big team adapts to the loss of a, a pivotal player. I'm always interested. For example, I've been watching a lot of Milan just to see how they, ad- they adapted to the loss of Zlatan, which has been really impressive. Mm. and then it's the emergence of players that you hadn't seen before that's really good or you might keep an eye on a summer signing just to see how they're kicking on I think I approach football stuff in the same way that I approach music right so I love that yeah yeah for example if you see a player who's popped up and you're not really massively aware of them be like oh they're 27 you know and you kind of then dig into their career and you're like yeah. oh they were actually at this place at the same time that this person was there yeah. oh wow actually you know it's like kind of finding something on a label and you know, and you haven't heard of the label before, but you, you then go on Discogs and you find all of the other stuff they did in the eighties, for example, or, yeah, and you're yeah. like, Oh my God, this label's amazing. And then the spin-off labels and the other people, and you kind of just, it opens up a web and that's, that's, that's the really fun thing for me about football. And also just the like learning little bits about clubs. It's just prime example this season is after seemingly being a failed signing, Thomas Lamar is playing really well for Atleti at the moment, for example. Yeah. And he's looking like the Thomas Lamar that they, they signed. And if you hadn't like seen a lot of Atleti this season, you wouldn't have been able to know that because it hasn't really been a talking point. Yeah. That's a really good example for me of, of, of what I was saying before about trying to keep up to date with the, what's going on with clubs. And then I love about the Lamar example before we move on. What I love about the Lamar example is I always love stories in football that reveal more than just the story. So the Lamar thing reveals an apparent contradiction in the approach of uh, Simeone, who's seen as this defensive coach, doesn't like creative players, but actually that's not true. What Simeone loves, he loves creative players who take full responsibility because he knows that's not his primary thing. Mm. He loves like an Arda Turan, players that will just take the attack and run with it. And you look at the confidence he's shown in people like Carrasco and Lamar, like he's kept so patient. And I think, you know, Simeone doesn't get full credit for that. He doesn't get full credit for how he likes, it's almost like a kind of George Graham type thing. George Graham actually loved attacking creative players. He was just like, well, I'm so focused on the defensive side. Mm. I want you to take over. And if you look at Atleti now, as a young player who's got, you know, a lot of talent, attacking talent, it is an exciting place to go. A lot of people can't believe that Jao Felix is there, but I think it is exciting because you know that if you go there, you'll get the keys. This comes in the week that the International Federation of Football History and Statistics chose Simeone as the best coach in football over the last decade. I love that. And it comes the same week that Moussa Dembele has gone on loan. And that is very exciting. Let's have this one from Holly Balleen to wrap up the trilogy of Behind the Curtain. Yes. (laughs) The veil. Holly says, what particular sweet good is Moussa currently into? 
Okay, at the moment, I've got to make a confession. The other day I was down at a German convenience store, well, no, sort of all-purpose store, really, sell a bit, a bit like Boots, called Muller. And I saw a bucket of those, you know, those like Haribo bananas. I found a bucket of them. I thought, oh my goodness, it's done. I'm over. I'm done with it. Did you buy the bucket? I bought the bucket. (gasps) Musa. I know, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) For those of you who follow us on Twitter, you might remember there was one night where Musa and I went out for a drink back in the days when you could go out. On the way home, we went past a Späti, which is kind of like an off-license late shop. I mean, it's called Spätkauf in German for those who aren't from Germany or in Germany. It literally translates to late shop. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Musa in his mask, on his knees, digging. It was like he was digging through some dusty 45s in a record shop in the outskirts of nowhere. <laughs> but instead he was, just, he was just getting that, securing that Haribo banana bag. Super villain. He was. Exactly. And uh, I found a new stash, so I know where to get them now. No, it doesn't ask for mine, so I get, I get to keep my sweet secrets to myself. You're not really a big sweet guy, though, are you? <laughs> wow, there we go. Listen, listen to that in plain sight. None of you know shit about me. <laughs> That's the true villain. That is the true super villain. Let's have this one for Patrick O'Brien. On chaos. There you go. You have my attention, Patrick. <laughs> Take now, my money. Take now my we're talking. Yeah. Now we are talking. Chaos to me is like cookies to the cookie monster. Yes, I agree. <laughs> like this. Patrick says, how can tactical rigidity and jazz live together in a team? Can the 4-3-3 that Lampard seems to like allow the players in front to go free form while the back line and keeper remain their beat? I think so. Yeah, of course. Yeah. There was a famous thing that like Pep used to do, I think, where he had the first two thirds, this is the process. If you're talking jazz, that's like the drummer and the bassist. Yes. They have to keep steady. And even if they occasionally riff, they've got to be able to bring it back. Like you will hear a drummer occasionally throw in like a fill. Yeah. But it's always back. And that to me, the fill is equivalent of like, oh, someone's pressed us at a different time than we thought they would. So therefore yes. I'm going to have to clip this as opposed to play it on the floor. Yep. Yep. Great show. And then as soon as you get into that final third, it is pure like John Clemmer screaming saxophone and just like, wow. Ah. Yeah, exactly. Arrow Saunders. This is the thing about jazz that I think people maybe not misunderstand because that sounds like we're, we're dissing, we're not, but maybe we don't explain fully enough. I think when we say jazz, there are multiple forms of jazz, right? So it's like yeah. jazz, no matter how chaotic it sounds sometimes, like the jazz that I really like, it kind of drives. Yes. You know, there will yeah. be chaos on the top end, but it will always remain like steady. It's like, you can, it's like dance floor jazz. Do you know what I mean? You can really go to it. Even if it's in various time signatures, if you go full on free jazz, you're in trouble. It's not a lot of people can hack the lack of structure. Well, that's the thing. Like even jam sessions have structure. Like I was talking to, there's a great musician, Corey Mwamba, based over in Derby. Shout out to Corey. And Corey, we, we worked together on a couple of things in a previous life. And I was doing some spoken word with um, a bit of music. And Corey was someone I worked with and he always said it. It was brilliant. He would just say like, what's the form? At the start of each session, what's the form? He was like, obey the form, obey the form, obey the form. And I think, I feel like that's, that's Pep, right? That whole lecture that Henri gives about what Pep did, he would say like, wide, 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 mm. wide forwards, hit the touchline, on the touchline. What, what, why? What? No, no, he goes, until you get in the final third, you're on the touchline, then you cut. And if, I think that's right. I think if you look at specific examples of that, you look at um, Zidane at Real playing on the inside left pocket mm-hmm. and Roberto Carlos covering the entire left flank. And then the central midfielders shuttling across to create that pocket of space for Zidane. You look at Aiden Hazard for um, Conte's Chelsea, being liberated from defensive duties. Um, and again, you know, I'm not, you know, like Atleti are not so good an example because Simeone demanded a bit defensively as his players. But you do have, I mean, again, I, I know it's an example people hate me using, but Dejan Savicevic at Milan, um, the year they went to the final. Drink. Uh, yeah, drink. And you had Boban shuttling across and doing all these jobs, you know, picking up space here and there. So, and uh, you know, Ian Wright, George Graham's Arsenal, mm. where you have like, okay, we've got those banks of four and then you're the lightning bolt. Do you know what and, Ian Wright was, jazz-wise? Miles Davis, Isla White Festival. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. 
when Miles is just like prowling the stage. I've heard of that performance. I've not seen it, but I've heard of it. Evan's heard of it. It used to pop up on like Sky Arts or something like that, or BBC Four at right. two in the morning, randomly on a Saturday. He would just like pick when to play, but he'd just be there, his presence. And that was kind of like, you know, when like, I don't know if you saw the, the Rio Ferdinand thing where he was talking about Wrighty, playing against Wrighty and how much shit that Wrighty would talk. And Wrighty so, talked about it as well. And the first yeah. time we interviewed him, he was just like, talk about how much he trash talked. Yeah. And that kind of just makes me think of like Miles prowling the stage. You know, you, like whether Wrighty's got the ball or not, it's the kind of equivalent to whether Miles is playing or not. But even if he's not playing, it's like you fucking know he's there. Everyone's aware of him. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. We, we talk about the free role in football and it is such an incredible thing. Like, you know, obviously you played as a creative player and, you know, I, I played as a, a striker most. I played as a 10 a couple of times and you know what's amazing? Sorry, can, I just, can I just cut in there? Sorry. I know I don't deserve that level of kindness after what I said about you or Wright's house. <laughs> Yeah, but that's our dynamic, isn't it? That's how it works. Oh, stop so- it. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, Musa keeps telling me that he's being interviewed on other podcasts and he keeps talking about me without my knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, two can play that game. I go for my start on other platforms. You can't stop me. Um, but, you know, there's something about the free role has always fascinated me because this job of interpreting the play, it's a huge responsibility to make something new. Like, I mean, someone like Ivan Della Pena is a great example of chaos in a system. Oh, you know, Bruno Fernandes, you know, mm-hmm. you, you look at this, it's so interesting and it's so appropriate that in the most chaotic league in recent memory, the most chaotic creative player in recent memory, Bruno Fernandes is the heart of United. It, it's poetic actually, isn't it? Mm. If that makes sense. Oh, real recognised real, man. There we go. <laughs> I'm going to lump a couple together here. Hmm. One from Claire Tooley. Uh, is the number of manager sackings relatively down because COVID is making everyone more cautious or are clubs starting to move away from turnover as, an, as the immediate solution? I like this question. Oh, I like that. I think it's the former, primarily. Mm. I think, it prima- yeah, because this is not an age of abundance and we don't know what the internal workings are of clubs' finances, but there's anxiety that we're not seeing and it just would make sense at this point to steady the ship. I mean, if you think about it, though, in the Premier League, for example, last couple of seasons, and even in the Bundesliga, really, apart from a couple of teams, but like, you know, Paderborn didn't fire Stefan Baumgart last season. Norwich didn't fire Daniel Farker. Bournemouth didn't fire Eddie Howe. That's perhaps more surprising than Howe thing. Watford, the, other, the first Watford, two, the first two, yeah. Watford fired their manager at the end mm. and at the beginning. Yeah. But kept faith with Nigel Pearson for most of it. What's funny about the this, uh, athletic sector managers, they've sacked two, I think. Athletic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one thing I would say, they're the slight outlier. What I would say about the Paderborn. One, Schalke. The Paderborn retention. Yeah. What I love about the Paderborn retention in particular is, is the understanding, uh, uh, Norwich too, the understanding that you're not working with a squad mm. that really has that quality. And there's no disrespect to these clubs to keep, I mean, Paderborn lost their two biggest goal scorers before the season started in the Bundesliga, mm. which was brutal. And they were the top scorers in the Zweite. So I love the fact that like there are enlightened boards that are keeping the faith and going, we know you didn't have the pieces and we know for a fact that if you'd had the pieces, you'd stay up and you're the best person to manage this outfit. I really, really love that. Um, yeah. But also though, you don't, you don't fire Stefan Baumgart. He no, fires you. No, yeah. Yeah, you don't. There are some coaches you don't fire. It's like, no. it's like um, St. Mirren sacking Sir Alex Ferguson. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Was, but hindsight's a wonderful thing. Well, no, at the time it was a ba- at the time it was bad. Like at the well, time, I, I was I, I wasn't alive, so I'll I'll, 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 I'll let you. Uh, Me reading the old microphone. I, I was I've been alive since you know I'm like Abraham, been yeah. alive nine hundred years. But yeah, I mean the funny thing about the Padamon thing though is that like they're they're kind of struggling this season. They're length in the league in the Schweizer Bundesliga, but there's still not really much talk about Baumgart losing his job. And the same thing in the in the actual Bundesliga. Mm. They've had five wins on the bounce now, but Freiburg were struggling a little bit at the beginning of the season. And there was never any ounce of talk about uh, Christian Strike like losing his job. They weren't playing badly. They weren't playing badly though, Freiburg. They were still playing with some fluidity. Yeah, but they're also, a, they're also a victim of their, their own overachievement, I think. Yeah, Freiburg. yeah, that's fair. Moving into their new stadium soon, which looks beautiful, by the way. Can I say this? Every time we talk about different clubs, just even when you're going to the Pokal teams, I was like, I can't wait to jump on a train to some of these places when oh, no. it's coming. I know, man. A few months from now. 
So no. many gorgeous towns to check out. Yeah, and Freiburg is apparently unbelievable. Going back to Claire's question, I think that initially it's down to the caution because you can't be paying off managers when you have no income, mm, yeah, basically, yeah. apart from TV money. But I also think that clubs maybe are starting to move away from, from turnover as a media solution as well. I think there are some clubs who just understand that this is kind of part of the deal. I've, I've said this before, like one of my, my big wishes is that the cycles in football were more obvious and more accepted because I think it would just make fandom way more fun. I mean, it's, it was interesting, for example, that Dortmund fired Favre when they did, but I think that's because he only had a few months left on his contract anyway, and there was probably some kind of agreement there. Mm. Um, Schalke obviously were scrambling and trying to plug all the holes as the ship was sinking. Who knew it'd be Christian Gross to secure that first win? Yeah, but we've talked before, though, about the Premier League in particular being a coaches' league and showing what a coach can really do to bring out the best in players. You see Angelotti at Everton, for example, just one example of... Mm really developing a squad. And to Solskjaer's credit, what Solskjaer has done at Manchester United, like he has got a tune out of so many players that were not really at their best before he arrived. Paul Pogba in particular looking so much happier. Um, you know, Solskjaer has really reconfigured that side and brought so much confidence. Uh, yeah, tactical now too as well to give credit there, but also the confidence. And maybe people are looking going actually we need to regard coaches with a bit more respect mm. because there was that higher fire era. You know, the higher fire era yeah, yeah, yeah. earlier, it was a bit like the kind of eighties, like loads of money. Yeah. People got drunk on the idea of like sacking. And then yeah. it was like, actually you need to give managers time. And we're seeing maybe a return to that. That's good. Yeah. Great Quickly, question. You mentioned, you mentioned Pogba there. One, yeah. We had one from Nate Ashburn that said, Pogba seems really unlocked. Why, what do you think the reason is to which Josh Head replied he answered it for us he said United playing in a UV kit (laughs) (laughs) the other coach one I wanted to talk about was from Control Alt Fact it's great using name wow wow (laughs) (laughs) where's the ideal place for Thomas Tuchel also do you think there's a link between the timing of Dortmund sacking Favre and Poch signing at PSG maybe Poch to Dortmund was on the cards I don't know if Poch to Dortmund was really on the cards I'd be surprised if no one had got in touch with him because that was a really appealing project. And I thought the fit was amazing, but you just don't know with these things. Like um, where Tuchel goes to me is, is very interesting because Tuchel's a very particular, he's a very particular manager. And weirdly enough, even though he went to the Champions League final, I wonder if he's lost a bit of luster. It's strange to even say that. I wonder if he's actually a manager who, like Poch, just needs a bit of a break for like a year to chill out and review his options. Mm. But it's not immediately obvious to me where his fit is. Not that he's not an outstanding coach, he is, but it's not immediately clear to me where Tuchel goes. Well, we had another question. Let's lump this in. Yeah, how do you... From Kellen McCann, uh, Kellen McMahon. If Lampard is sacked at Chelsea, what are you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on Nagelsmann to Chelsea? I mean, I actually think, I don't think Nagelsmann will go to Chelsea. I think Nagelsmann loves it at Leipzig a bit too much. Because I think he's got, he really he's loves it. Yeah. control, basically. Yes, it's definitely. very much the same at Hoffenheim. It's like, he, it has to be his ship. I'm yeah. using ships a lot today, sorry. But um, I think that he, the, the, the hmm, yeah, the lack of control at Chelsea, I just don't think would be his thing at all. I think, I think it would be better, be better for Tuchel, actually, to Chelsea. Tuchel to Chelsea's, man, that's a shout. And I think Tuchel would do fine there. I think he'd be really good at Chelsea, actually. And Tuchel's I think that's the kind really of place. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of the, the Poch thing, I have it on good authority that they were planning a Poch squad. Wow. When they scouted Holland and wow. that they wanted him. I'm not sure if there was any other major contract, contact there, but like, I know that, I know that it was, he was someone they wanted. And the thing about Dortmund that you've got to remember is there are only a few clubs in the Bundesliga who could afford Poch and his team. Yeah. yeah. Dortmund were one of them. Uh, weirdly, I think Hertha were like another side who could have actually afforded Poch and his team. Um, you know what's funny about the Dortmund-Poch thing? I'm sure there were lots of meetings between third parties and hotel lobbies. I'm sure somebody reached out. It would be wild if they didn't. But if, if, if that was the case, they really missed the trick. But then again, look, Terzic... Yeah, but the, I, th- I think they want Terzic to be their flick kind of thing. He's doing all right so far, man. I yeah, think I'm enjoying can't. it. Yeah, and, if, and at the end, it's a... It's a much cheaper option. Yeah. And 
again, it's kind of like a bit of a free hit. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think Tuchel to Chelsea would make more sense than Nagelsmann to Chelsea. I agree completely. I think as well, because if you look at the challenges that um, Tuchel's had before, with the old guard board and former players and like, you know, overbearing. You know, Chelsea are a demanding board, mm-hmm. but they're not overbearing in the way yeah. that like PSG were, where that was a kind of project. And it was like, I think Tuchel at Chelsea will allow him, and then he gets to work with Harvards and Werner, which is great. Mm-hmm. And he'll unlock them. I think there's no question there. He gets to work with a range of players, but primarily younger players which I think he's liked in the past. He's liked that. I think his, generally his problems before have been like from older guard members yeah. in the dressing room. Chelsea, he'll have like the right set of dynamics. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. Tickle to Chelsea. And then Lampard, I don't, I don't doubt Lampard will end up as England manager at some point. I can see that in Lampard's future. Ooh, wow. Look at you, Crystal Moose. <laughs> <laughs> Mystic Moose. <laughs> um, let's wrap on a couple of quick fire ones so you have to be very yep. quick yep yep okay one from Moon Wizard one ideal winter transfer window signing you wish each of your clubs could make and why quick go Dennis Sicaria glad back and why because we need that six incorrect you're a Dennis Sicaria stan that's why um, that's true yes ha <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arsenal oh god Arsenal um, fuck it, Sergio Ramos. <laughs> wow. Injected. Injected. Inject- that I'd pay good money to see. Can you imagine <laughs> Sergio Ramos and Rob Holding at the back? Incredible. Talk about good cop, wild cop. <laughs> <laughs> the energy. Ramos would charm everyone at the Emirates. He'd walk oh, in 100%. there. You know, and send, Ram- David, he- send David Luiz the other way to Real. I would, I would low-key love that. Or on a serious note, I would love Julian Brandt to come to Arsenal. I think he'd actually be pretty good for Arsenal. So He'd be amazing. But one thing yeah. about Ram, one I say about Ramos quickly to Arsenal, what I love about it is Ramos would turn up knowing what his rep was and yeah. he'd be an absolute gentleman. He'd, just, he'd basically play act. He'd be so good. He'd be like, oh my God, we've heard this and that. About, we've heard an absolute terror. And he'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be amazing at Arsenal, man. I'd That'd love him. Incredible. Yeah, they'd love him. Okay, this one from Maruthi. Kumar. Spurs were on top a few weeks ago, so were Everton, now United. When will the cow fishing end? <laughs> <laughs> no idea, but long may it continue. The catfish is infinite. This is the thing, people don't realise it's of infinite depth. It's in every living thing. It is. It's the space in between all living things. It's the midichlorians, it's like that. We all have the catfish in us. <laughs> it's like the force. Ah, it's the force. It. It's like when Ray goes to Luke and says, something's always been inside me. Now it's awake. And I'm scared, like catfish, catfish, catfish Ray, <laughs> catfish Ray. The dark catfish rises. Yeah. The last catfish. <laughs> the catfish awakens. You're the last. You're the last catfish. Oh fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Sorry, sorry. Didn't expect that, did you? No, no, it's hilarious though, isn't it? Okay, Druva Balram. Ah, uh, shout out to Druva, what a great writer. Let's wrap on this one. Needs yeah, something yeah. uplifting. Yeah. More, more uplifting than me telling Musa to fuck off? <laughs> Can both of you share some of your favourite memories when w- watching football live in the stadium? For Ryan's sake, Musa isn't allowed to share anything from his time in Brazil. <laughs> okay, what I will share is when my, 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 my first ever live game. You can, you can share Brazil if you want. 1994 Holland. World Cup, Brazil, Holland. Oh yeah, you were there, weren't you? Yes, I was at the game at Cotton Bowl. Shout out to my uncle. Uh, uncle Dowdy tipped me the game. Incredible. Tickets cost $55 each. 1994, I was there. Brazil go 2-0 up with goals from, I think, Bebeto and Romario. And then they get two goals back very quickly, Holland. Two goals in five minutes. And the stadium goes... The Brazilians, I was in the Brazil section, the crowd, stadium goes silent. And this woman, a few rows down in front of me to my right, gets out this like, Trump has a trumpet case and gets out this battered trumpet and starts playing the funeral march, the ironic funeral march. And everyone bursts out laughing in the Brazil section with a few seconds, everyone's chanting again and chant, chant, chant. 
Branco scores a free kick a few minutes later. Brazil win 3-2. And for the next few hours in Dallas, there are people driving around, Brazilians driving around the city out of the sunroof. A couple of people in limousines, a couple of Brazilian fans, like limousines, like leaning out the windows, everyone wearing these like, these Nike caps just do it at Brazil and everyone's chanting and shouting and singing. And that was the memory that really will stick with me. Wow. Yeah. And I was, I was, I was behind the goal where Bergkamp scored, I think the header to get the equalizer. And then watching Branco's free kick, I was right behind him at the other end. And you just watch the free kick curve along the ground in the corner. And then with that beautiful blue kit they wore, the blue kit and the, um, the white shorts. So that, that memory was just like absolute joy. If there was ever one memory, it would be that one. To be at that game was such a privilege, honestly. Uh, a few games. There's one, there's an Arsenal one. The, the Arsenal one for me, that there have been many. I mean, you know, I could like Burkamp's toe poke against Manchester United in their grey Bucam kit at Highbury. I was stood right, I was stood in the North Bank. Oh, um, wow. Stood on a seat actually because I was too oh, little because everyone else was standing up. But I was, I was directly in front of that goal. Oh my goodness. But the one for me that sticks out is the 2014 FA Cup final. Oh, wow. Okay. So me and my dad had been to the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and, and we went to the final together. And I had to leave my dad in Wembley at the semifinal because I had to get, a, I had to get the last train back up to Manchester and mm. I couldn't change it. And the connections aren't great, are they? No. Yeah. And I was at Wembley and it went to penalties. Do you remember against Wigan? Yes, yes, yes. So I left my dad just as the penalties started Awful. and he wouldn't let go of my hand. Oh, wow. I know. I was like, dad, dad, I've got to go. And he was just like, okay, okay, okay. He was like so nervous. He was just like, it was like, why are you leaving me here? And I was like, I've got to go. I literally had to peg it down Wembley Way. Yeah. That's with, a long stretch like as well. With mob on, just kind of just to Houston. it. Yeah, yeah, then right to Houston. Yeah, back to Houston. Somehow, some Wigan fans made it back on the train as well. I have no idea how. But we then went to the final, but we, were, we weren't together. We were apart. So my dad was a few rows in front of me, about 10, 15 seats to the side. And obviously Arsenal go down to Hull. It looks like... They're not going to win the FA Cup. The trophy drought's going to continue. The amazing comeback, extra time, Aaron Ramsey, all this lot. But just seeing my dad, you know, just keep, it was one of those, like, you keep turning around being like, oh my God, we've done it, we've done it. And then- That's amazing. Yeah, it was great. It was to experience that, you know what, I've got to say, to experience something like that with your dad, you know, obviously my, my dad died when I was very young and it's always amazing when you hear people talk about their parents as their friends in that way, you know, there's certain connections between, I think it's really a beautiful thing. Like you, when, you know, when you, you, someone said it um, so well, like, you know, they're your kids and they grow up and they become your close friends and sometimes your best friends. Mm-hmm. And I see there's quite a lot of people I know whose parents are their best friends, whose dads, their best friends are very close. I think that is such a special connection and to share something like football, to sh- was it actually, um, you know, Ian was talking about this on, on Righty's house about how people came up to him and said like, you're responsible for some of my greatest mm. memories with my, you know, me going to watch games with my dad, for example. I just thought, God, that is such a beautiful, there's something so special about being intergenerational, united by football, especially with your dad having been, having played for Arsenal. The only other one I was going to say was quite a recent one. Just like the best game I've been to live recently, well, recently, before this, they shut down, was probably Dortmund-Leipzig last season, last game before the winter break at the Westfalenstadion. Just in terms oh, with of the, all the singing as well. Just, yeah, the whole thing, like the choir singing to the Sutra and the Sutribuna singing back before the game. The, the quality of football, it was an unbelievable football match, just in terms of the level. Had that, um, un- had that incredible Julian Brandt goal, assisted by Sancho. And just that place, man, that place under the lights. Unreal. Last, game before, last home game before Christmas. Unbelievable game. Probably should have won it. They should have won it. But just, you know, as a kind of an all-round thing. It was just amazing. You know, walked through with Stefan Ersfeld before the game, walked through the Sud Tribuna and went and picked up a couple of fanzines and stuff. And just like Andy Brassel was there, Kevin Hatchard was there. It was just a, a really lovely experience, you know. Such a privilege to attend these, these places. Mm. Um, thanks to everyone who submitted questions. Sorry we didn't get to all of them, but uh, we really it's appreciate it. Yeah, it was, it was good fun today. It was nice. I enjoyed that mailbag. Yeah, yeah. Hope everyone's staying safe and well. Don't forget you can check theringer.com forward slash soccer at Stadio on Twitter, at Stadio Football on Instagram. Make sure you check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. If you need some music over the weekend, we've got all the playlists from the Stadio sessions there as well. We saw Congo, anything you'd like to add? No, actually, I'm good. I'm content. (laughs) 
I'm content with that content. Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> achieved it. <laughs> um, we're playing out this episode on Floyd Family Singers. That's a sign of the times. Right. We hope you all have a good weekend. And we'll be back on Monday. Much love. Take care. See you then. Humanity